Welcome to the Christopher Peter Review. My name is Christopher Peter and it is my pleasure to introduce you to the podcast that will serve as your source for common sense analytical commentary on salient current events impacting our public policy, economic outcomes, and overall society. Our objective is to provide ideas and analysis to help make our society a better place to live, work, and thrive in. This past weekend we remembered the life and impact of Dr. Martin Luther King. By now, we all know the story of his life, his work, and his legacy. In an era filled with such heated anger, resentment, and violence, Dr. King leaned on his faith and chose the path of peaceful protest. Chose the path of non-violence when all too many were eager to match anger with anger, hate with hate, and violence with violence. I think it is important for society to remember the lessons learned from Dr. King's teaching and understand the opportunities for all Americans going forward. My name is Jennifer and welcome. I believe that Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech is one of America's most important messages in our storied history. President John F. Kennedy challenged Americans to serve our nation by asking us to not take from society but seek ways to give to society. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt challenged us to show bravery in the face of fear. In our most challenging times, President Abraham Lincoln gave many historic addresses, guiding America through a difficult period of soul search, division, and up to the initial point of reconnecting. Dr. King was not an elected official, but his words in the famous dream speech challenged Americans to look beyond the color of one's skin onto the quality of their character. From these political and social leaders, Americans have many timeless words and calls to actions that are still relevant to this very day. We are in a time where fear is a staple in political marketing. Where our leaders do not guide us in standing up to fear, but use it to advance political agendas, increase governmental power, and restrict our freedoms. During the pandemic, we saw how powerful fear was in stifling debate and our inherent right to question the decisions of our government. Americans are asking more from the government each and every day rather than embracing their right to self-determination and seeking opportunity in their own economic path in life. Rather than finding ways to solve the problems of our generations, many expect the government to foot the bill for their personal choices and decisions. And Americans across all groups are growing more obsessed by the color of our skins and lacking interests in knowing the individual character as collectivism is embraced by some. People flock and surround themselves with people that look, talk, speak, and think like they do. Especially in terms of ideological identities. The more things change, the more they stay the same. As our society grows more complex and diverse, people still greatly rely on stereotypes to determine how they interact with each other in society. The exact thing that created the problems in the first place? For instance, there is a line of thinking that people have a racial identity in society, which impacts how people are treated. Instead of pushing to defy these stereotypes, the people who claim to advance society towards unity and harmony use these stereotypes to control how you act, think, and what to believe. These identities become your litmus test for how well you really fit your demographic group. If you veer too far, then these use fit to scare you back in line, which is not the right approach. We make the same mistakes with ideology, where people need to think and act in accordance to rigidly defined rules and principles. People are not exclusively conservative, liberal, or progressives on every issue. There are always some issues where you may agree with the conservative argument, some issues you may agree more with the liberal argument, and many issues where you support a blend of both positions. But, there is an expectation for rigidity in our political ideologies. If we truly value diversity, should we not tolerate that people can be individuals with individual personalities, views, and beliefs even if it conflicts with the supposed norm or the preferred? Our diverse society is not monolithic and there really needs to be greater tolerance for people who may act, think, 
behave, pray, and look differently than any one of us do. What do we mean when we talk about diversity and tolerance? I believe that diversity means that we give equal and fair consideration to all people regardless of what they look like, how they pray, and other check-off-the-box demographics. In a free society, people have the right to live their life in the manner of their choosing, as long as it does not prohibit another from doing the same. Right? That is what we all love about the idea of America and hope for. But do we really afford people that ability to show their own being? In our society, individuality, free thought, and choice are becoming extinct, therefore making the concept of diversity. Not just in terms of intellectual diversity. Because of the obsession with identity in our society, people really do face social consequences if they think, behave, or make choices that vary from those in their identity groups. We had a national presidential candidate question whether a person was black enough if they did not want to vote for him. There are plenty of black Americans who did not want to see their hard earnings dissipate due to poor economic policies or see their communities devolve into less safe areas. Those are not a racial identity thing, but a common sense dilemma people of all races face every election cycle. I believe people obsess with rigidity in America because it makes it easier for policymakers, pundits, or influencers to control society. People like predictable processes and outcomes. Are our views too rigid to solve issues with racism and other forms of discrimination? I think so to a degree. Society in general is not willing to acknowledge that hate is multidirectional, not just white against the world. But, minorities too show their hate at times. All forms of hate are unacceptable. But there is a manicured spectrum that people want to address the issue. As Dr. King told us, hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. We must expand our social tolerance to really demonstrate the diversity we want to see across society. I think many people have good intentions but bad plans of actions when they approach the issue. I think some want to be that canary in the mine shaft. But, canaries are meant to detect all incidents of carbon monoxide, not selective ones. The selective incidents and the ignoring the multidirectional form hate has taken in our society. There still are problems with white supremacy. There is no denying that or excusing that by any means. But there also are problems growing with hate between minority groups that we do not readily classify as hate incidents. Ones that the media is really quick to turn the page on. But, all forms of hate are objectionable, condemnable, and not acceptable. At the same time, we cannot ignore a sad but true fact that we also cannot ignore is that there will always be some incidents and tension in a nation blessed with the cultural diversity America has. Competing interests and misperceptions will always pit one group against another fairly or unfairly. That is just a reality of life. We need to be able to handle and address these events without losing the progress we made and purposefully setting society back. We should not give any room for anyone wanting to commit hate crimes, but there are always people who choose the low-hanging fruit. I do not want the word diversity to become another political buzzword in society. We see so many large corporations use the idea of diversity as a marketing ploy to attract business and talent. We see them display awards or recognitions, but we do not really look to see what was the criteria for those. Many people are not aware that there are subscription fees and a survey given. Not the most objective way of ensuring a company is truly deserving of an award. I always wonder whether there is any validation of the data received, if that is even possible. Does anyone see if minority workers have more stringent requirements than those in the majority? Do companies afford equal visibility and opportunities for people based on their effort, not just their backgrounds or network? Also, it would be interesting to see what percent of subscribers actually get the right to claim the reward. To be fair, this is something I would question for any accolades companies typically brag about. Whether sustainability or customer satisfaction. 
Many times we see claims and they contradict our actual interactions and experiences with those organizations. But, my point is that America must be open-minded to accept that good can come in different forms. We need to be willing to accept that people of different backgrounds, viewpoints, and cultures exist and have the right to. People regardless of their demographic have the right to earn their economic outcomes based not on their demographics, but their effort, skill, and ambition. I do not think people should be given a handout simply for their demographics either. Rather people should have equal and fair processes that are not circumvented. We should also understand that our diversity as a nation is a strength and an asset. While we have different views, different traditions, different experiences, and different needs and wants, we have a great deal in common. All people want opportunities to experience freedom, safety and security, opportunities for growth and prosperity, and respect. At the very least, we should be able to come to the agreement that we all can afford people the basic level of kindness and fairness. Be open-minded enough to see the true character and the individual we all are regardless of our backgrounds. As we continue to remember the contributions of national heroes like Dr. Martin Luther King, we need to work towards that moment in his speech where a diverse group of kids are able to hold hands with each other. Not just those in their identity or ideological groups. I agree that we all could do a much better job of showing basic human decency to each other. Not let superficial knee-jerk reactions shape our views. I do not believe anyone should ever be forced to serve another's champion or ally. We all can stand on our own two feet. Thinking otherwise devalues the person you are supposedly trying to help. I think we are just asking for a fair opportunity that sets aside bias and does not accept it as part of life. In the past, I made the economic argument that we need to embrace diversity because it makes our economy better. It improves the collective knowledge and perspective of our economy, society, and individual organizations. Part of our American greatness is due to our ability to pull people from around the world to work in America and contribute to our prosperity, while accessing opportunities not available in their homelands. America is truly the most diverse nation in the world and is the top destination for immigration, both legal and illegal. We must embrace our similarities rather than obsess about our differences. Also, we need not be so rigid that we end up making the solutions much worse than the problems. The biggest political story is the ongoing document scandal facing Joe Biden and his administration. Each day the scandal is growing larger with new documents found in new locations. First documents were found at his think tank, then his office at the University of Pennsylvania, then his Delaware residence. Some of these dating back to his time as vice president. We all recall his self-righteous scolding of his predecessor, former President Donald Trump when documents were found at his residence at Mar Largo. One would think he would show some restraint as he must have known he too had documents at his home, office, and think tank. Former President Donald Trump is a lightning rod for controversy so it is not surprising that Biden and his Democrat colleagues exploited the issue to gain empty political points. One point to consider is that there is some legitimate debate over whether Trump's is truly a scandal. A sitting president is able to declassify documents. A vice president does not have that ability. While you can debate whether Trump declassified those documents or not, there is no question that a vice president should not have classified documents of any kind in their possession. Each of the last three presidential candidates have faced accusations of mishandling classified documents and material. First, Hillary Clinton saw her presidential hopes dashed when former FBI Director James Comey dropped a bombshell announcement that she had classified documents on a private server. While she avoided prosecution, the announcement confirmed in the minds of people who opposed her that she was a criminal and pushed independence wary of her towards the then-political mystery box that was Donald Trump. The term classified documents is another buzz phrase out there right? 
we hear the term classified documents and automatically assume that the person has nuclear codes just sitting out in the open in their residence. But, that is not the case. We are not really sure of what was contained in these documents and what risk they pose. The federal government is known to classify documents and material that do not pose a real threat to our society. So, we cannot be sure these scandals are a real big deal. What is undeniable is the fact that neither a Secretary of State nor a Vice President should have classified material outside of the appropriate channels. That is not debatable. Now, we are not sure if Biden can retroactively change the classified status of these documents, which would be as controversial as a president claiming the ability to pardon himself. At the very least, this is not an issue we should be facing. I agree. We have to remember that Clinton was a person who had information stolen directly from her office desk. So, she had a history of not adequately securing classified material. Just more evidence that she was not fit for the highest office in the land. Despite every advantage, she was not able to win the big prize. Largely because people do not like her and believe she is not honest. There is too much evidence that stacks against her. At the very least this gives the media talking points to fill shows, podcasts, and radio shows. We already see the media personalities attempt to shape how the public should view the scandals. On CNN this weekend, there was a person being interviewed who claimed not to know what was in the documents, but claimed it was not as bad as the Trump situation. Lacking knowledge of what is contained in either batch does not give credibility that you can reasonably claim one is less severe than the other. On face value, the clarity of authority to possess the documents is different, the scope of places documents were found and continue to be found, giving the appearance that the Biden scandal may be worse. But the scandal is just getting started. Economists tend to look at a number of economic statistics to determine the health of the economy. Politicians prefer to find specific ones that fit their messaging or case for election or re-election. Usually there are some positive stats at the very same time as negative ones exist. For instance, we see some data that shows that the Federal Reserve's efforts to rein in inflation may be working. But, we also see companies continue to announce job cuts and elimination of future positions. All the while the stock market continues a downward push with few high points. All this is creating another era of uncertainty, leaving people and the pundits grasping for any positive news. I think we have reason to believe that the inflation news and energy price relief may be short-lived. China has been operating under capacity due to their zero-COVID policy, which has finally been lifted. So now that unused capacity will come back online. So we might see a glut of energy pulled out of the market raising prices in combination with recent energy caps Europe placed to discourage the purchase of Russian fuel. The road ahead is still challenging and there is not a clear path to a soft landing. We probably will experience a recession, which will create prolonged economic strife following the pandemic and the years since. The best approach during a recession or when you are approaching a recession is to reduce spending at the personal level. Of course, society needs to spend more to potentially avert a recession. Conflicting thoughts, but we all need to have a nest egg if you are in a field that is not recession-proof. We all feel like it may not happen to us, but you never know and it helps to prepare for the worst if you can. Not saying that you go into full panic mode but maybe eating at home a few times more will help you have that cushion. Especially if inflation increases. Unfortunately, many people might not have the ability to save given the current level of inflation and the level of income they may live off of. Just not always possible for many people. But, I think it helps to think harder about whether to make a large purchase, especially given the interest rates. Also, you need to be more diligent in job searching. There will be opportunities to advance your career. You might just need to make sure that you are not leaving a stable job for one less stable. 
For instance, leaving a job in education or healthcare for a sales position might not be the best path forward. Unless you are in medical or education sales, there will still be opportunities. We can be hopeful, but realistic too. I hope that we all can learn to embrace diversity in America as a strength and core value. Not in the rigid and militant approach some well-meaning but misguided people want us to, but in a manner that allows us to treat each other with respect, acknowledge the right to exist, and learn from one another. Also, I hope that we understand that bias in any form of life or society is wrong. Even the perception of bias can make people feel unwanted or make supporters of a candidate feel the system is corrupt. Our society and economy is going through tough times right now. But, Americans are always hopeful for a bright future. In closing, I thank Jennifer for her continued contributions to this podcast. Also, I thank the audience for taking the time to experience this episode of the Christopher Peter Review Podcast. We truly appreciate your viewership and continue to collaborate to ensure we offer you common sense and informative content. Please continue to visit us at www.crcrvw.com for new content and explore the content channels available. Thank you once again for experiencing this podcast episode and we will see you next time.